The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19, verse 14. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I'm going to be bringing you homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God dwells in all the packing boxes and empty shelves at the moment. I'm beginning to doubt whether life will ever be back to normal again, let alone ordinary, as we settle into all the changes that have been wrought upon our lives in just a few short months. Each week, I manage to snag a fascinating person to join me for part of the show by offering them social media exposure, and they come willingly to talk about aspects of family life which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child-rearing above their highest joy. My guest today is a regular, and we're going to be talking about Attorney General Eric Holder and his thoughts on banning homeschooling. Mike Donnelly from HSLDA will be offering his expert insight into the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals and the hearing this week of Ramiki versus Holder. So stay with me to hear more. For myself, I'm going to be talking about the overwhelming task of packing 29 years of life into cardboard boxes, house shaking, pool draining, and wood repair, and I'm drinking a well-deserved cup of PG tips to get me in the mood for England. So what are we waiting for? Stop whatever it is you're doing and bear with me for an hour. It's all go, go around here. First, we're selling two properties on either side of the pond. When then one falls through, then the other collapses. We're plunged into the sea of selling nothing and wallowing in an unexpected disappointment because selling the family home after 29 years is not the easiest thing in the world to do. But when it may not happen, our emotions surprised us and we discovered we were actually looking forward to buying a new place. Then the American sale was back on again, and after losing two weeks, we're in a frantic whirl of packing, rebuilding, repairing, rethinking, and what other re's are there? Rejoicing! Yes! Our buyer is married to a man from a different culture, which really came into play over the last few weeks and affected all of us. His father was perilously ill and only a few years older than me. Let's put it this way. He would not be my father by any stretch of the imagination. He told his wife of a few years that if his father died, he wouldn't be returning to America because he had a family who expected him to behave in a particular way. Oldest son looking after the family, you know. Our American buyer begged us to wait for the outcome of heart surgery in a foreign land, India to be precise. And being who we are, we agreed, but we also decided to cover ourselves and prepare the house to be marketed without us possibly being here. This involved springing the money to have the foundation, wood rot, and pool fixed. Even though we weren't going to reap the benefits, we'd perhaps be able to sell it faster without any disclaimers. 
10 days later, we heard the news that the sale was back on, so presumed the father-in-law had lived. Please bear in mind that preparations for the wedding of the McNenny year were all going on through this, too. We found out this week that her father-in-law had indeed died and started wondering why our buyer had decided to go through with the sale when she knew her husband had declared that he wouldn't be returning to America if this happened. Well, perhaps the seed my blue-eyed cowboy had sown about the house being big enough to accommodate a mother and a couple of siblings, if needs be, had taken root. We don't know. All we need to know was that so far so good, everything's back on track again. Unfortunately, the London sale fell through utterly. It wasn't supposed to be a chain, meaning a line of people waiting for their properties to sell before our prospective buyer had the money for the one we're selling. I was told she had the money, that her house was sold, so there was no pending available funds. Ha ha. Why do agents lie like that? They already had our business. I suppose they were worried I'd say thanks, but no thanks, which I would have done had I known the truth. I'll insist on talking to the prospective buyer myself next time. In a way, we're glad that the flat hasn't sold because it gives us a more open-ended aspect when we do move back to London next week. But it would have been nice not to have any millstones hanging around our necks, which properties have fast become in the McNinney household, millstones. But hey, enough of that for now. Very often... I mentioned that just because we homeschool doesn't mean we're immune to the world. Marriages still break up, children stumble and fall by the wayside, and we're expected to treat each crisis with a modicum of serenity, grace, and Christian bonhomie. As homeschoolers, I feel they're very often on display to the rest of the world. And so when things do start going badly, which they're apt to do, especially when our children start flexing their muscles or relationships begin to fray at the edges, we're very often guilty of sweeping everything under the carpet to be dealt with at another time. It may be easier to hide than to confront essential elements required for fixing these complex and serious issues. Now that I'm the proud owner of young adults, I speak likely here, of course, they're the owners of themselves under God, I can echo some of the words previous guests have shared with us about safety and stranger danger. Knowing where our children are at all times, for example, and with whom they communicate, recognizing their friends and monitoring their computer activity will help in some areas to protect them from what's going on in the outside world, but not completely. You've heard me say it before, movies and television are strangers, sometimes unwholesome ones. So beware even when they're safely at home watching a safely rated movie. Danger also lurks in nooks and crannies. I watched a film during one of our school breaks some years ago. Everyone else in my house had already seen it. As a PG-13, I presumed it was safe since all my children were over 13. Aren't they supposed to be viewable by the whole family? No language, no sex, no violence. Perhaps I should insert the word overt after the word no to bring these films' ratings in line with my thinking. Of course, as a homeschooler, my use of the word safe and its meaning is subjective. I allowed myself to be lulled into a false sense of security one that let my trust in other values, others' values, determine the safety level of films for my teenage children. My mistaken belief is that the people who live next door to me, go to church with me and educate their children with me, all share the same definition of safe. And in turn, that definition is shared by the Motion Picture Ratings Board. Wrong. I find many parents share my feelings. So 
Who's advising the ratings board? And why am I trusting them to do my vetting for me? Sometimes my blue-eyed cowboy and I would read through the reasons a film had been rated PG. I'd read them out loud to him. We still love to read out loud to each other, not only PJ rating explanations, but I'm digressing. We would look at one another and shake our heads and mix film after film for the following reasons. Violence, drug material, drug content, drug use, language, sexuality, sexual material, sexual situations, partial nudity, mature thematic content, intense sequences of violence and action. And so it went on and on and on. And you know, the silly thing is, some of the films would be excellent without all the added pizzazz causing the ratings. This particular film that I watched during one of our school breaks left me in tears. Not because of the storyline, but because I had unwittingly allowed my children, both boys and girls, to be exposed to just another ploy by whomever to slowly change the public opinion on fidelity and morality, gently brainwashing us into pursuing the sanctity of the marriage bed, the respect found in waiting, the strength discovered in saying no, as we're taught to say no to drugs. Oh, but of course, silly me. The film industry doesn't care about that either, since a lot of the films we looked at had drugs in them. My oldest son, who at 19 was the self-appointed gatekeeper of his siblings' minds, assured us that there was nothing wrong with the film. For him, it turns out, if there's no graphic flesh-pot-type behaviour, overt, as I said earlier, then the illusion through actions and words is innocuous. My husband thought it was a cute movie. It showed idyllic views of England, lascivious scenes of California, and was a sweet story about two women who switch homes for Christmas. But the morals aren't sweet. The American couple are living together. He's having an extra capital affair, and his girlfriend has decided she has no time for sex if she wants to make her career work. In England, the ex-boyfriend is emotionally abusing his ex-girlfriend by feeding her false hopes about the future of the relationship she's pathetically hanging on to. The two women do a house swap for a change of culture and scenery and the morals on both sides of the pond plummet even further. Now, I know why I don't watch this kind of drivel, but obviously my children think it has value. As a strong supporter of listening to young people's views, I try to discover what the value was. First port of call was my son, the oldest and wisest. I opened with, I hated that film. It should have been rated R, not PG-13, to which he answered, you did? Why? There was absolutely nothing wrong with it. Aha, brainwashed. He saw nothing wrong with the film. When I reminded him about the cohabitation and affairs, he said, well, yes, that, but we all know that's wrong. Well, do they, I wondered. And who decided that 13 was old enough to watch this kind of behavior on the big screen without falling into the trap of emulation? And do all 13-year-olds know the behavior on scene is wrong? Then I asked my oldest girl what she thought of the film. She was all of 15. She said, it was predictable, Mum. all those films are. I know that's not how how real life happens. When pressed as to why she insisted watching all these films that are just the same, she grinned and said, oh, the actors are cute. Okay, enough value right there. My youngest at 13, just old enough to watch the movie if I approved, was more forthright and a girl. I love those movies. I want my life to be just like that. Just like what I asked, wondering if she meant like the American or the English. Just like the American who ended up in England, I want to end up in England. Living with the first man who falls across your doorstep, I asked. She giggled. Well, if he looks like that, then yes. She blinked her eyelids before saying, just joking, mum. The film is a film. I love England and the accents. Enough. The end. You're getting my drift, I hope. I advise 
you exercise extreme caution when allowing PG-13s into your house. Even a family discussion afterwards does not erase the images their innocent minds have been exposed to, as Paul encourages. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is loving, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Philippians 4 verses 8 and 9. And it looks as though I'm going to have to go on my break. And um, I'll be back with Mike Donnelly from HSLDA. So don't go far. handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of WooHoo Inc. and the WooHoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Why is religion such a thorny issue in our society and the world? And why has religion often become a source to divide people rather than unite? Frank Talk with Dr. Ajaz is a forum for civil dialogue on religion and wellness on Toginet Radio. Dr. Ajaz Nakvi invites leaders and activists from all walks of life and faith to engage in a civil discussion on religion and current events. Join us for Frank Talk with Dr. Ajaz every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on TogiNet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest this week is a regular on the Sociable Homeschooler, which speaks volumes about how passionate he is about this blooming educational movement. Mike Donnelly serves as staff attorney and director of international relations for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. He and his wife homeschool their seven children, and he's a frequent speaker and writer on many homeschool-related topics, some of which he has shared with us over the years on my show. Mike and his hardworking colleagues at HSLDA defend both the American 
and international right to choose how we educate our children, and their convictions ensure that homeschooling remains a parental choice for all of us. Today, we're going to be talking about what went on at the Romaiki versus Holder hearing this week and how banning homeschooling would violate our rights as parents and as Americans. Welcome, Mike, and thank you so much for taking time this afternoon for joining me. Hi, Vivian. It's always a pleasure to be with you. How are you? Oh, doing well. Doing yeah. well. Uh, back from Cincinnati, and we, uh, it's been a very busy time with uh, lots of people interested in the Romica case, and, mm-hmm. uh, so I appreciate your interest in it as well. Yeah, that sort of um, fell nicely into place because I think I contacted you a couple of months ago about something that Eric Holder had said. And so we set up this date and then all of a sudden I'm looking and the hearing is this week. And I thought, you know, I am not in charge of any of this. God knows exactly what he's doing. It just amazes me every time that happens. So will you tell me a little bit then about what's happening this week on the um, Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals? Well, on Tuesday afternoon, Mike Ferris and I and Peter Kamaka Viva Ole, uh, one of our attorneys who worked on uh, the case, were in the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals before three judges, and Mike Ferris conducted the oral argument uh, uh, in the case for Micah V. Holder, in which uh, we are actually appealing the Obama administration's denial, or I should say reversal, of uh, a immigration uh, judge's ruling that the Romica family should and actually did receive asylum. That was back in 2010 when the immigration judge granted asylum. But the uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency re- appealed it to the Board of Immigration Appeals, which is um, uh, part of the Department of Homeland Security. And all of this, of course, is under the Attorney General's um, oversight. The uh, um, asylum hearings are all under his oversight. And uh, that board, that Federal Review Board, uh, reversed the immigration judge who had granted asylum and said, no, we're not going to let these homeschoolers stay here because we don't think homeschooling is a fundamental right. And, uh, and so we appealed that ruling to the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, and uh, Mike was doing the argument on Tuesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this took a while, though, because you made the appeal months ago, correct? Right. Well, the, yes. In fact, it was yeah. last May. Yeah. that the uh, Board of Immigration Appeals overturned the judge's ruling. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we uh, made the appeal immediately, of course, and then uh, waited some time uh, for the assignment of the oral argument, which was yeah. on April 23rd on Tuesday of this week. Yeah. All right. So um, what are the ramifications of this hearing for American Homeschoolers. Actually, there are other things I'm going to want to ask you afterwards. But for now, just 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 what happens if the Romikis are sent back to Germany? Well, you know, the, the this case really has to do with this particular family. Mm-hmm. Um, although the issue and the issue is not homeschooling in the United States. The issue is homeschooling in Germany. Mm-hmm. What's but what is concerning is that our administration is basically defending the German position. Mm-hmm. which says that it's okay to ban homeschooling uh, because it's the state's responsibility to socialize children, to teach them the values that the state believes are important, and that it's okay to uh, prevent the development of what the Germans call religiously or philosophically motivated parallel societies. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's something that we would call pluralism here in the United States when people have different religious views or different philosophical views and they live a little bit differently. We certainly don't have a problem with that here in the United States, but over in Germany, if people want to do that, and that involves parents actually teaching their children these different religious beliefs or different philosophical views, then that's uh, that's okay for the German government to suppress, according to their Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And our administration is defending that, saying that that's a legitimate purpose. And that's very concerning. Um, so the, the hearing is taking place here in America, but they are looking at German law and history in order to determine the outcome. Well, they're looking at the motivation of the German government. You see, asylum law allows you to be granted refugee status, <clears throat> refugee status and asylum here in the United States if you can prove that you're being persecuted on account of your political opinion, uh, your race, your um, religion, your membership in a particular social group, or your nationality. So those are five grounds on which you can get asylum. And, uh, you know, the... Uh, asylum is when you're being persecuted by the government of a particular country. And so in this particular case, the Obama administration is saying, well, Germany is is, is within its rights to uh, treat families like the Ramaikas the way they do, which is to find them, criminally prosecute them, and seek to take their children away or actually take their kids away because they're homeschooling. It's okay for the German government to do that because they do that to everybody. Mm-hmm. And so everyone is equally treated under the law. Mm-hmm. Well, what they're missing is a couple things. Number one, Factually, that's not true. The German government actually targets people who are religiously or philosophically motivated to homeschool their kids. So the government's wrong on that. Secondly, um, you know, there is a fundamental right here at stake. In our country, parents have a fundamental right to direct the education and upbringing of their children. That's a fundamental right under the federal constitution. It's been recognized as such since 1925. The Supreme Court articulated that in a case that came out of Oregon when the state of Oregon said, Children must go to the public schools. There cannot be any private schools or home schools of any kind. And the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that in this country because our tradition of liberty recognizes the interest of parents to direct their children's education and upbringing. And so they overturned that law. But, but you know, so, so the federal government, through a, the attorney general's office, is basically saying, let's go back to that. Or at least they're saying it's okay for Germany to do that. And if they're saying it's okay for Germany to do that, I guess they think it's okay. Yeah, but that's a, it is a fine line you're saying because the asylum. What what? So what they're fighting is they're um, they're trying to prove that they were persecuted by the German government and seeking asylum based on that. And the persecution. Well, it's more, it's more that they. I'm sorry. It's more that it's more that they have a fear of persecution if they were to go back to Germany. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, for, for my listeners, that's, that's a difficult thing because they're being they're, they're, the hearings here in America. And of course, we've got these American laws that um, at the moment uh, allows parents to choose how they would like to educate their children. But on the other hand, they're, they're defending Germany's position on, um, well, I, I read that they ban banning homeschooling completely across the board isn't wrong. It's only when they say, oh, certain people can homeschool and certain people can't homeschool that it becomes wrong. And that's that's the view that Eric Holder is is putting forward. Is that correct? 
Well, they seem to think that – well, they, they just – they are um, – the Justice Department, I don't think, quite understands the facts, or at least they're not arguing the facts correctly. They're arguing – I don't know why they're not, but um, they do say that if everyone is equally prevented from homeschooling, that's okay because everyone is therefore being equally treated. Mm. But the right – but they're, they're not looking at human rights. Well, precisely, precisely. Yeah. And that's yeah. and that was what Mike Ferris was arguing about on Tuesday and making the point that, look, one of the judges was actually saying that, uh, you know, what's the difference between this and tax evasion? Yeah. And, you know, there's a significant difference. The significant difference is, well, you know, the right of parents to direct their children's education is a fundamental right. It's It's a fundamental right under our Constitution, but it's also a human right recognized as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a number of different international uh, law documents dating back to 1948 and the UN Declaration on Human Rights and others, which, you know, we can certainly talk about that if you like. Um, all right. <laughs> um, uh, first off, though, um, the government also um, looks as, doesn't seem to um, realize that when a family decides to homeschool their children, they do it for a couple of reasons. One, that they want to be able to teach the children um, their own family values, and they don't want their children to be taught what's going on in schools. And so, you know, somebody somewhere has said, well, send the children to school. They're only at school for 20-some-odd hours during the week. And then when they're at home, you can homeschool them. So that, that's okay. What's wrong with that? Well, right, and that's and that is exactly what the government argued on Tuesday. Yeah. They're saying, yeah, there's no there's no problem with that, and that's what the Germans say as well. Well, fundamentally, there's a lot wrong with that. First of all, uh, you know, in our country, of course, when you send someone 24 hours a day to a particular place to learn whatever they teach, you, you know, parents aren't <laughs> parents work. They uh, have other things to do. So the reality is, you know, if they go to school six to eight hours a day, you might only get a half an hour, an hour, maybe two hours if you really stretched it to actually do some teaching mm-hmm. when they got home. And mm-hmm. the schools certainly send home homework to consume their time. There's other yeah. things that they're involved in as well. So the reality is that's just not practical. No. It's not true. No. I mean, even on weekends, even you'd have to take all, you know, all the weekend to do that, and that's just not reasonable to even suggest such a thing. So it's just a silly argument, frankly. Yeah, and plus they've been subjected to other thinking. Well, you know, and sure, and people say, well, what's wrong with that? They should be subjected to other thinking. Well, that's, I mean, the point is that's not for the government to decide. It's not for the yeah. government to compel people to subject their children to thinking that the government thinks is okay. Yeah. It's the parents' right to determine what thinking their children are subjected to. Yeah. And, you and, know, and parents maybe, will make that decision. Te- yeah, and maybe teach them some of those um, more um, controversial subjects in a in a better way, so that they they look at several different viewpoints and you know can argue each one of them. Whereas at school, maybe only one, for example, evolution. You know, that's the only viewpoint that's laid down, and they, there's no you know sort of comparison for the other thoughts. So. Well, certainly that's one thing, and there certainly are a whole host of other yeah, subjects that yeah. the schools teach in a particular way that many yeah. parents find objectionable. Yeah. Um, you know, but the whole idea that, you know, you get, oh, you can teach them at home on your own. Well, again, that misses the fundamental point. That's like saying to, you know, um, an Iranian woman who objects to wearing a burqa, which this is actually an, an asylum case in this country, mm-hmm. saying, you know, well, you can wear your burqa at home, 
Or you can wear your you have to wear your burqa out in public, but you don't have to wear it at home. So mm-hmm. therefore, we're not going to violate your your beliefs as it relates to you know what you have to wear or what have you. I mean, that's just it's it's a silly argument. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. Well, we have to go on a, on a break, Mike, and we'll be back um, in just a few moments, and um, we can talk about something a little less political um, in the next segment. So um, don't go far, and um, I'll be right back after these few messages. handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. And there's no stopping us. Join host Kaylin Amadio for Act Local, marketing for small business. Kaylin helps concerned, confused, and even clueless small business entrepreneurs market simply, safely, and successfully. Join Kaylin for some Monday morning marketing madness that will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing for your local business, this marketing black belt will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kaylin will feature a new tip that you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. Act Local Marketing for Small Business airs every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Rockstar Radio Network. Are you happy with your life? Satisfied with the direction you're taking? More importantly, are you content with the results you're seeing? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join host Brian K. Wright as he talks to experts in many areas relating to life success, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. Each week is a dose of inspiration. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. Success Profiles Radio is a show that will clearly demonstrate the principle, if I can do it, you can do it. So don't miss this opportunity to take control of your life and your results. Success Profiles Radio with Brian K. Wright. Mondays at 5 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I'm back, and I'm talking to Mike Donnelly from the HSLDA. We've been talking about the Remica versus Holder hearing that's been going on this week. Um, Mike, is there any result yet? Are we still in a holding pattern? 
No, it'll be some months before the oh, Sixth okay. Circuit reaches a, a conclusion on this. Okay. And uh, it's typical for the circuit courts to take up to three months or even as many as 12 months to issue an opinion in a case. Oh, okay. So we'll and be then, praying that the judges reach the right result. And absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, that, that's on um, hslda.org. You can find um, a page and you can go in and, you know, sort of sign up for updates and sign a petition and pray for the family and pray for the lawyers. So I encourage everybody to go ahead and do that. Mike, um, let's talk about something a little bit different now. Um, still about homeschooling, obviously, but I don't think I've ever asked you why you and your wife decided to homeschool. Oh, um, well, that's a, well, we're going back some time now. It's been about 12 years since we started homeschooling. Um, let's see. So, you know, we, um, we were living in Boston at the time and we didn't really feel like we wanted to send our children to public school. Uh, we really weren't quite sure what we were going to do with them. Um, and as they were getting a little bit older, two or three years old, we started thinking about it. And as, as it would happen, our neighbor around the corner mm-hmm. uh, was homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And they were asking us, hey, what, you know, what are you going to do with your children? Are you going to put them in school? What are you going to do? And we, you know, we really didn't have an answer. And they asked us, have you ever considered homeschooling? And we said, homeschooling, what's that? Both of us went to public school, and I'd never heard of homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we thought about it, it, it kind of made sense. And, um, y- you know, we, we talked and prayed about it, and we felt like this is really where God was calling us to, to, to go. And, uh, you know, my wife had some background in teaching. She had taught elementary school, so she felt like she could she could handle it. As it turned out, she felt like... Um, she needed to unlearn some of the things that she had yeah. learned in uh, teacher school, but because uh, it's just different, very different actually. And uh, so, you know, we we felt like it would be it would be good for our children, and we tried it, and we liked it, and we kept on going. Mm. Now, at this t- point, you weren't working, obviously, for HSLDA because you weren't homeschooling, and I think that's one of the criteria to be a lawyer um, with them, isn't it? To be homeschoolers. All of our yeah, all of our lawyers are either homeschool dads or homeschool grads. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the two of you um, decide to homeschool, and you've got a couple of young children at this point? Well, we did. We had three going on four. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the other thing that really motivated us was that, you know, we really wanted to point our children to God. Mm -hmm. Uh, We felt that it was really important that our children learn uh, in our faith, which is Christianity. And we wanted to make sure that their character was shaped according to biblical principles. And so we felt like, you know, homeschooling would would allow us to do that more than than any other form of education, although we did actually experiment with a private school for a little while with our oldest. But it turned out that uh, we realized that, you know, when you send your child to another school, whether it's a Christian school or not, somebody else is in control of your schedule. And you really see how others, other children, you know, even children from Christian families can really negatively influence your own children. And we experienced that. And uh, halfway through the year, we realized we better get back to homeschooling. And so we got back to homeschooling and we've never never looked back. Never looked back. All right. So um, over the years, has your homeschool change? Do you use the same curriculum that you started out with? How does that work? 
I think the only thing we're still using that we started out with is uh, our math math program, which is Math UC, which we really like. Uh-huh. Um, uh, other than that, we have used lots of different things. We're very eclectic. I would put us in the eclectic category of homeschooler where we kind of do different things every year for the kids depending mm-hmm. on their interests and kind of where they're going. And as we discover new and different approaches, we've uh, you know been involved in different kinds of co-ops. Um, we tried a large one one time. That was didn't really like that too much. <laughs> I know yeah. some people like the large co-ops, but that didn't work too well for us. Uh, and we, we've uh, kind of scaled back. We do a small co-op with some other families. Um, some of our children take online courses. Our, our older children do. Uh, with Patrick Henry College Prep Academy, their AP courses are outstanding. Um, mm-hmm. Really been very pleased with how that's going. So we try to mix and match lots of different things based on our children's interests and, and where they're going, mm-hmm. um, where God's calling them. Mm-hmm. And you have seven children, and all of them obviously are learning in different ways, and some of them might be university tracks, some of them may not be. Is this the case? How are you dealing with that? It, it is. I mean, I do not uh, tell my kids they all have to go to college. Um, I mean, I, I talk to them about the different approaches and different paths that they could follow. For me, the most important thing is they, is that they follow the path that God is calling them to follow. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing for me, and I try to encourage them to to think that way. Mm-hmm. One of my children is very interested in music. Uh, you know, so some of the other ones are still younger; they're still figuring themselves out. One is very interested in possibly mission work. He feels he's been called to the mission field. We'll see uh, how that works out. But you know, w- really, the most important thing for me is that they hear God's voice, they follow His call, and they're equipped to do so, whether it's college or or not. Mm-hmm. And your oldest now is fourteen. He'll be 16 in a couple of weeks. 16. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Time flies when you're having fun. Wow. And and is he going to go to college? Are you going to send him to college to do some of his high school credits? How are you going to work with that? Uh, Well, he actually already has some college credits. He took Mm -hmm. uh, an AP class last year and passed the AP U.S. History exam. He's taking another AP course this year. Um, You know, he's already so he's already doing college work. Um, you know, if you, we're not sure if he's going to, if he'll go off to a four-year college or if he'll work here or, or pursue music in some other way. So, you know, we, you know, we're still, we're still following the Lord's plan step by mm-hmm. step here, and I'm not imposing some master plan on him, and uh, we're kind of letting things unfold as, as God unfolds them before, before us. You know, you hear about a lot of families living their lives vicariously through their children. And um, my children always said, because we were we were very, very artistic family. My children always said, oh, but you're not like those other parents that are stage mums and, you know, just really push their children. Um, you know, that's that's that was a conscious decision that we made because we also stood back and let God work in our children's lives and just enjoyed watching them flourish. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, right. I think that's the best thing to do. I yeah, think as parents, yeah. par- as parents, we get we, you know, who our children know is much more important than what they know, mm-hmm. and the who that they really need to know is is Jesus Christ as their yeah. Savior. And if they do that, then you know, no matter what they do, they'll be able to be used by God, and and that's the most important thing that they serve their Creator. Mm. And there are times that people look at homeschooling families and they think that we're immune to the world. And I think a lot of homeschooling families almost expect 
to be immune to the world and, you know, they, they don't have these, um, you know, sort of children that fall by the wayside perhaps. And um, because, you know, once they get to a certain age, children are going to, you have to allow them to make their own decisions, especially once they've reached 18 or 19. You hope that that foundation that you've laid is a strong one and it will eventually take them through it, but it is terribly difficult as a parent living though living through that difficult time because you know i've said to a friend of mine all of your children are at an age where you expect obedience from them and they'll accept guidance from you but when they get older you really do have to take a step back and watch and sometimes they're not making the best choices and in homeschooling families i think a lot of times they hide this they, they, they won't admit that there's anything wrong going on in their families. Mm. And I, I find that, oh, I don't know, distressing in a way, stressful it must be for the, for the parents because why? Why do homeschoolers feel they have to put on this front to the world and yet other families can go out there and be really open and transparent about what's going on in their lives? Well, I don't know. Uh, there's certainly, you know, homeschooling families are as uh, susceptible to problems as any other family. Uh, you know, we hope that some of the problems will be perhaps less severe. Uh, you know, I, I get calls all the time from, from mothers and fathers who are having difficulty with the children. These are good homeschool families. And mm. the reality is, you know, some, some children just go their own way. You know, the prodigal son, he decided uh, he was going to go his own way, and he went. Um, and I'm sure, you know, we don't know whether the father had anything to do with that or what was going on in those circumstances. Some children just, they just rebel or they just go their own way. Um, in other situations, you know, you can put children into a group of other children, some of whom may lead them in the wrong direction. And so I think it's very important for parents to be very mindful and careful about um, who they allow their children to socialize with and, and families as well. I think that's extremely important. I think as homeschooling families, that's one of the things that we do have a little bit more control over mm-hmm. is, you know, that does, but it doesn't mean that we have total control. And I've seen lots, I've seen lots of families where things have gotten very bad, uh, even though, uh, you know, these are homeschooling families who are trying to be careful. You just, mm-hmm. you can't protect yourself from everything yeah. and so that's why the foundation is so important and it is important also i think vivian as you point out for families to at least have other families they can talk with or yeah. share with or people they can go to to get help or listen to programs like yours where people talk about the issues they're having i mean i've had i mean i've had issues with my own children mm-hmm. um you know no no one's perfect no family's perfect uh, but, you know, our God is perfect, and as long as we point our kids to him, we can know that um, that they'll be, as long as they follow him, that they'll be yeah. well cared yeah. for and they'll be doing the right thing. But I don't think there ever comes a time when you say, when you wash your hands of your children and say, I can't do any more, because I still find that I do speak my mind. You know, I say, I know you are old enough to make your own decision, but I feel that you know, for me, it's not the right decision or that if you do make that decision, this will happen. And then after that, I feel as though I've done my part and they can go and do <laughs> what what they need to do. Well, certainly, uh, you know, as parents, we we have, even though our children may not like to recognize it, a lot more experience and uh, yeah. one would hope wisdom. Yeah. Uh, and of course, as our kids get into teen years, some of them, you know, they, they want to rest on their own wisdom perhaps yeah. um but uh you know as parents if we can maintain that relationship with our kids 
And uh, that's that's the tough thing sometimes during the teen years is maintaining that relationship. But if we work at it, um, you know, we can provide insight and wisdom to them. And, you know, not all of us had good role models growing up either. So we we all don't know exactly uh, what's the right way to do it. I mean, myself, I had a pretty pretty bad role model growing up. And so I'm figuring this out myself, and I'm sure there are lots of other people like me. And that's, frankly, one of the reasons I homeschooled is I wanted to make sure that family was a more important thing in the lives of my children, much more so than it was for me. Yeah. Well, Mike, we've got to go on another short break. And can I have you for five more minutes? Sure. Be All glad right. to. Thank you. We'll be right back. Be glad to. handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Attention parents and teachers, here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent close to half a trillion dollars to improve reading ability, and yet we still have over 8 million students who cannot read on grade level. 440,000 students who have a total reading vocabulary of 50 words or less, and a national dropout rate of one new student every 26 seconds. Sadly, one of these could be yours. Fortunately, it's not too late to help. Introducing The Reading Show with Dr. Joe. A fast-paced, highly informative, easy-to-listen-to show led by nationally recognized reading authority, Dr. Joe Lakovich. For more on Joe on the show, check out his website, failurefreeonline.com. Listen in this week to learn amazingly simple ways to turn this problem around. The Reading Show with Dr. Joe. With your host, Dr. Joe Lakovich. Fridays at 10 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management, the holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness, how emotions are directly related to physical illness, and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So, Mike, it makes me laugh when people ask me and other homeschoolers, you know, what about socialization? Because I think that there's a, there are a lot of things now that are available to our children um, 
that are all part of the homeschool group even you know you've got the art you've got the theater you've got the sports you've got the music you've got the the history and the math and the science and little co-ops here and family co-ops there's a lot of stuff going on and when you have quite a large family even four you know they're, they're all going in different directions how do we know when to say yes and when to say no how do we put into perspective the most important thing which is god and family and then still allow our children that freedom to kind of branch out and experiment and try things well that's a great question vivian uh you know sometimes we have to say no to good things in order to say yes to great things mm. and uh, i think we have to help our children learn that as well um i think each family needs to figure this out for themselves but at the end of the day we have to determine as families what are the most important things that we want our children to um, experience and what are the character traits we want them to develop and make sure that they're uh, provided opportunities to develop those things, uh, whether it's through sports or through theater or through classes or mentoring or apprenticeship-type relationships. And at the end of the day, though, we do have to remember that family is very important too and that we as parents need to make sure that we have time uh, to get to know our children so that we can stay connected with them and help mentor them and disciple them and uh, teach them, of course, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and make sure that we've got time for that as well. So it's definitely a balancing act. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think there's a formula. I think, you know, as parents, we need to be sensitive to the rhythm of our lives and make sure that even as we as even as we are busy and homeschoolers can be very busy i mean my own family were quite busy uh and sometimes a little bit too busy and sometimes we have to rein things back in and say well maybe we need to slow down a little bit here and not do so much so that we can make sure we have time for family meals family devotion mm-hmm. uh time on the weekends to spend together as a family and and not always be out doing so many things and i think Mm -hmm. that's the double-edged sword that we have a lot of freedom and flexibility as homeschoolers but that freedom and flexibility can it can be it can go too far and so i think the parents really need to stay connected to each other talk to each other and uh, fathers need to make sure that they're paying attention as well as the leaders of the family and Mm -hmm. make sure that there's enough time for those important things well, you're absolutely right, Mike, and it's so refreshing to have um, a male voice on my show and a, a wonderful father and homeschooler and lawyer and, you know, how you, you, know, you juggle so many things and still keep, um, you know, sort of a good eye on God and on your family, your wife and your children. And wonderful to have you on the show, Mike, and, and such an encouragement for my listeners. And um, I've come to the end of my time. I've been chatting to Mike Donnelly from the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. He serves as staff attorney and director of international relations for member affairs. Um, Mike's worth both in America and around the world ensures that homeschooling remains a parental choice for all of us. And he and his wife homeschool their seven children. He's a frequent speaker and writer on this subject. Today, you heard him talk about the ruling, or not actually the ruling, but the hearing on the Mikey versus Holder case by the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals and its potential impact on American homeschoolers and how we need to keep an eye on that kind of thing. Um, I hope you enjoyed our conversation and we'll consider going over to hslda.org to find out more about what these homeschooling lawyers are doing for you on the front lines. Thank you, Mike, so much. You have a wonderful weekend and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Bye. 
Well, today is my final broadcast from the family home. Next week, I will be in England, and my show will feature my two young nephews, who I recorded while they were here for the wedding, which was only three weeks ago, but looking around our house, it seems much, much longer than that. This week, all the workers came at the foundation. Men arrived first on Monday. Well, I tell a fib. It was the poor men. They arrived at 7.30 in the morning. They came, tossed a pump into the water, and a hose over the fence, fired it up and left. But back to the foundation men, who arrived at the much more civilised hour of 9.30, and they began digging alongside the part of the house where the bedroom my office is situated. All was fine, except for their phones were ringing, they were having conversations, and there were lots of digging sounds. Then the search for bedrock began, and the house began to lurch. At least my portion of the house did. Dorts felt even more upstairs, and I kept casting my eyes upwards, expecting to see my office ceiling pull apart and the sky appear. At one point, my Texan and I went outside to view the proceedings, and we were impressed at the depths of the holes that they had dug manually about two feet down and I remembered my feeble gardening efforts in this soil where I had all my work cut out to dig only a few inches just for my radishes and tomatoes. After cranking with a nifty machine that was very noisy, they finally did hit bedrock at 24 feet and began to lever the foundation, making it level and possibly create cracks or so I thought from the sound of all the groaning and moaning going on in my walls. I mean, it sounded like an earthquake. Then one of them came inside to measure the levels and after a couple of in and outs and adjustments announced that all was good to bolt down the steel girders or whatever it is that holds the house up now. He also told us the good news that we wouldn't need the seventh pier inside after all, which would have meant digging through concrete in my office underneath my bookcase. Messy, messy. The result of our now level house, a good sized dent in my wallet and two doors that now shut effortlessly. The bathroom door had been on the blink for years. I thought it was a mixture of age and a hinge problem, and it never bothered me anyway. And the office door, my office door, which I'd blamed on the weather and wood expansion and contraction. And I could have lived with the slight shift over these 29 years, but the lenders insisted that we had the work done. Back to the pool and its draining pump. It was empty by late afternoon, and there was no sign of anyone coming back. So my gentleman, who was very savvy with mechanical toys, unplugged it and removed it from the bottom of the pool so it wouldn't burn up. He called the company, promised to be out the next day around noon, but Mexicans tend to forget about clocks and punctuality, and they showed up at four in the afternoon. There were two of them, and they chipped off plaster with these mini pneumatic drills, causing a horrendous noise and copious clouds of dust. They sported neither hearing protection for their ears or masks for the lung-damaging fine plaster dust they had to have been inhaling. We shut our windows, the temperature dropped outside, and we went to mass, and then on to unload a truck full of boxes in one of our storage units. When we returned at 8 o'clock, they were still working, now in the dark till I turned the pool light on, which startled them for a minute, then back to work, and they toiled in the dark and the cold until 8.40 p.m. Noise, 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 then they left. The pool looked like Frankenstein's body with stitch marks all over it where the cracks had been cut out, filled with rebar and cemented before plastering the following day. Apparently, this was their fourth pool that day. My Texan said, are you rich? And they said, yes. Shame about the deafness and the future lung problems, though. Let's not talk about the wood rot yet. 
suffice it to say it needs to be done by next Wednesday when we sign, but there are no signs of great progress yet. Another non-time conscious man with a heart of gold. I updated my computer this week too. My old one still worked, but it was considered a vintage in computer land, and I know that electronic and mechanical things tend to be working fine one minute and the next all is dead, so I didn't want to take a risk. My filmmaker son said he'd help me with the purchase of a new one with his expertise, not his finances. So I finally upgraded, had all my files from my old favorite transferred and was good to go. And this week he sat with me in my office, which is the epicenter of all the work going on around us, and went through a few features, of which there weren't that many, considering all the years since this upgrade. Not that I would have used any, many of them anyway. In the background, we were treated to the jolly sounds of Mexican pool plasters having a grand old time with no regard for the noise they were making with their music and sudden outbursts as they broke into song. We apologized to our next door neighbor who said he didn't mind at all as long as the margaritas were forthcoming. And my son and I spent a happy afternoon in Little Mexico anticipating the arrival of our quesadillas and fajitas. It was quite hilarious and very pleasant. And the sun was shining. I was really transported to another place. Then we had to throw hoses in the pool for the big fill which took 18 hours all night long and more. I could hear the faint release of water from the pipes and I had visions of it overflowing, but it didn't. For the next couple of days, I can appreciate the pristine beauty of a newly plastered pool, much more deserving of the dent in my wallet than the hoisting up of my house. On a lighter note, The trees are budding and the birds are flying around crazy to establish territorial rights, so their song is continuous, which heartens my heart. Watching all this spring activity, I'm reminded of the fruit of the spirit, which we're given once we turn our backs on our sinful ways and partake in the gift of salvation. When we begin to walk with Christ and accept the Holy Spirit, we receive love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. And at this time of my life, when I'm looking around trying to work out for myself what it is that God wants of me, does he want me to pray five hours a day or be a missionary or work in service of others? I'm reminded that God wants me to enjoy something from him. He wants my life filled with the fruit of the Spirit. So as I walked around the pond enjoying the sun, listening to the crickets and watching a few ducks swim on its shallow surface, I was hit with this amazing thought that God wants me to enjoy his creation, to enjoy being me, to enjoy living. So perhaps that's what I'm called to do right now. Nothing big, nothing earth-shattering, just a jolly smile and a gentle heart. Well, it is time for me to go. Another week and another load of boxes filled and packed. Well, I'm going to a wedding this evening and we both need a break from the packing and then we're going to have final dinners, movers, closing, flying and hopefully life will settle down eventually with a plate of fish and chips and a trip to the local once we hit England. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest this week, Mike Donnelly, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah. Anna, Joel, Rosemary, Kathleen, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Why don't you stay tuned in all the time to Tokenet and catch lots of great shows to glide you through your day. Take care and be safe. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Numbers 6, 24 to 26. And I'll be back same time, same place next week. Doop, 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 Thank you for joining us for the Sociable Homeschool.